This is the Commercial Property Show Australia. Show number 22. What rights does landlord have if the tenant isn't willing to cooperate trying to initiate your add value strategy? Not many. commercial property community thank you for joining me my name is andrew bean i am the host of the commercial property show australia and this is the final episode for this year so i want to say thank you so much for supporting the show i really appreciate it have a great christmas and a happy new year and i'll see you in 2021 And in today's show, Chris Lang and I continue our negotiating tactics series, part four, adding value while keeping the tenant happy. Now, Chris goes into quite detail about why you should actually use a managing agent and a few different details in the lease that are really, really good to know when you're looking for a property and what rights you have as the owner. And Chris also has two really, really cool announcements at the end. There's one free giveaway that we've been saving for Christmas. So I hope you guys really enjoy that. We can download that from the Commercial Property Show website. We're going to have a link there or underneath the podcast. And there's also a really, really special announcement for anyone who wants to take their commercial property investing to the next level. So make sure you listen all the way to the end for that. All right, guys. Here it is. Investing in commercial property is a lot like a team sport. You need a lot of good players around you to complete a property transaction. No one can do it alone. If you're like me and want to surround yourself with like-minded people who have similar property goals, people who motivate you and push you to achieve more, then come and join the commercial property community today. Go to www.commercialpropertyshow.com.au. Our expert guests are just waiting to answer your questions in the forum. And together, we can help each other reach the ultimate goal of financial freedom. Our next guest is seven-time best-selling author, Chris Lang. How are you, mate? I'm good. How's the weather up there? Oh, mate, it is sunny and beautiful. How about you? Oh, well, it's, we had a bit of sun. It looks like the rain's coming, but we need that, so it's good. Yeah, that's right. Excellent, mate. So our next part, part four of the tactic series, is adding value while keeping the tenant happy. Now, this is an interesting one because a lot of investors buy property with upsides, but they have to wait for the tenant to move out. But if you can figure out a way to keep the tenant happy while initiating your value as strategies, it can be hugely beneficial. So first off, Chris, should you ever speak directly to the tenant or should you always go through the property manager for this? My view is to go through the property manager and with the properties I own, yes, I could probably manage them myself, but I always engage a property manager. 
You see, if you deal directly with a tenant, you're expected to be able to decide on the issue on the spot. And the thing with a property manager is that they can always say, look, I need to seek instructions. Right. And you shouldn't be in a position, I mean, you might well be happy to accept it, but you might equally want to think about it. But dealing direct, you don't have that luxury. So could you potentially maybe like not tell them that you're the owner? Well, that doesn't build a great relationship with the tenant. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I mean, you're going to find out at some point. I mean, you're going to send them emails and what have you, and it's pretty clear who you are. So people have false economy. The fact is, with commercial property, well, whether it's commercial or not, your management fees are deductible. They're an expense. With commercial property, if the lease is properly structured, you can actually recoup the cost of your management fees as part of what the tenant pays. So it's false economy. And the other thing is that there are a whole lot of statutory issues that you've got to consider. Compliance issues, that whether the property complies or not. Now, if you've got a property manager, that's their responsibility. The thing with the property manager is they have professional indemnity insurance. So if something goes wrong and there's an issue, I mean, if the the property manager hasn't maintained the property and the tenant falls over and breaks a leg, well, they will sue the property manager, not you, right? So even if they decide to sue you, you can counter-sue the property manager for negligence. So there's no real reason why, as I said, it's just false economy if you think you can save it. It's going to take you time, effort, money to do everything. You've got to send out rent notices. You've got to chase up if they're late. Why do you want to do that? I mean, unless you're a retired person with absolutely nothing to do, I think you're foolish to have uh, do something yourself when you can have a property manager. Yeah, fair point. So how do you work around a difficult tenant? Well, you've got to work out whether they're difficult or they're just inexperienced or naive. And how are they being difficult? I mean, are they not paying their rent? If you have a case against them that they're breaching their lease, well, you can take legal action. I guess it would be more around they're being difficult, not allowing you to get in there and initiate your add value strategies. It depends what adding value is. I mean, every lease has what's called a quiet enjoyment clause. And that means that they're entitled to conduct their business without interruption or disturbance. So if you're wanting to, let's say, refurb some premises with the tenant in there, clearly you need their permission to do that. Now, it may well be that you get around that by saying to them, well, look, we need to come in. We've decided we want to paint the property. And I mean, re-carpeting is always difficult with a tenant in place. But you want to do some maintenance work, which is going to add value to the property. Well, you might say to them, look, it's going to take us three, four weeks. How about we give you a month's rent free? Okay. So they feel, well, yeah, it's a disturbance having the painters around and electrician or whatever is necessary to do the works. But we're not paying rent during that month. So that's reasonable. Okay. So what if you just have a difficult property manager? Like it's all too hard for them to organize this. What do you do then? It comes down to choosing your property manager in the beginning, and you should be choosing one who intends to care for your property as though it was his or hers. Most people don't realise that 
the tenants are really your partners. I mean, they're actually paying your mortgage. So you've got to look after the tenant and you've got to have a property manager who responds quickly. Not that you're favouring the tenant, but if the tenant has a genuine request for a, a repair or maintenance. Now, in most cases, under a commercial lease, they will be paying the cost of the tradespeople that go there, but they generally ring the property manager to arrange for that work to be done. So you need to make sure that that's handled in a timely manner, keep the tenant advised. Property management, I had a very simple philosophy, and that is you always try to keep the ball in the other party's court, but let everyone know where it is, right? So if a tenant wants something, you set it up and then you send them a quick email or a text saying, thanks for your call, got that, the plumber is supposed to be there either today or tomorrow. So if the plumber doesn't arrive, then it's the plumber that gets the blame, not you, for doing nothing, all right? Yeah. So it's pretty simple stuff. In the same way when you're liaising with the owner, if the tenant is a bit behind on their rent, you let the owner know what you've done. We've issued a letter of demand. The tenant has been told if they don't pay within a week, they will get penalty interest. So it's just a matter of keeping everyone abreast of what's going on. And as I said, with the when you're working with the tenants, just let them feel that as a landlord, and this is the managing agent's job, is to let them feel that the landlord not only loves them but loves the property and wants to make sure that they have a good environment to work within. Yeah, that's good advice. So if you are issuing a notice of interest, would you ever be lenient with that? Would you always make that happen? Well, I would always tell the tenant that you're entitled to charge it, but you may negotiate that away if they pay in a timely manner, but you don't necessarily tell them that. You give them notice that they're that interest will be charged under the terms of the lease. You don't actually have to give them notice. The lease says that if they haven't paid within a certain period, penalty interest will apply and it specifies what that will be. But out of courtesy, you do that. Not only courtesy, but to let them know, you know, there is a penalty. If you've forgotten that in the lease, this is what's going to happen. Now, there's some tenants, what you affectionately call delinquent tenants, and they are forever late in their rent. So you have to charge them penalty interest because just don't get the message and the tenant is not there to use the landlord as his banker so someone's got to be the interest or through or most landlords are sweating on the rent coming in to meet the next mortgage payment so if it doesn't come in they've got to incur penalty interest themselves at their end yeah i guess it's one of those things where if you give allowances to someone and then you don't give it to another one, you could be liable for that in a legal sense, couldn't you, Chris? Possibly. I mean, it depends on your vendor or your landlord. Some landlords will be very lenient, and yes, they want their tenant to pay on time, but they're not too worried if they're weak or or so late every now and then. And they'll say to them, look, you know, do your best. I don't really want to charge some penalty interest. I want to keep the relationship good. And it may well be that it's just that someone was ill and didn't get the rent payment through in time. So you've got to take each case on its merits. Yeah, fair enough. All right, mate. So what rights does landlord have if the tenant isn't willing to cooperate? Well, as I said, if they're in default under a term of the lease and they breached it, you've got legal recourse. When I was in agency, as opposed to what I'm doing now, I, I like to have 
with the owner's permission, a direct relationship with their lawyers. I mean, as an agent, you issue a letter of demand and give them so many days' notice. But you always want to make sure that you're laying the correct paper trail for a lawyer, if needed, to get involved. So you keep them abreast of what you're doing. Now, depending on how strong a relationship you have with your client and also how easy it is to release the property. I mean, there have been instances where we've literally gone from a letter of demand to locking the tenant out, just changing the locks. The lease says that if they haven't paid within a certain period, you have a right of re-entry as a landlord. Now, re-entry can be happened in two ways. You get a court order or you change the locks. As I said, if you feel confident that you're easily going to release the premises, you'll go ahead and change the locks and just lock the tenant out. So, Chris, what about if the tenant isn't willing to cooperate with you trying to initiate your add value strategy? What rights does a landlord have then? Not many, because I said they're entitled to quiet enjoyment and you can't laterally just go in there and start making wholesale changes and improvements to the property which is going to disrupt the tenant's business. So you've got to be a little bit circumspect. And it comes back to, as I said, whether the tenant feels that you are a caring landlord and all the way along have been doing things over and above what the tenant is required to do to maintain the property, but maybe attending to the garden outside, if it's a standalone property, making sure that the roof gutters are cleared annually, so that they regularly see tradespeople around the property and have the feeling that you care about them and the property. And if that's the case and you've got a good relationship with them, more often than not, if you tell them what you're going to do, which will ultimately improve the amenity of the property for the tenant as well as adding value for you, more often than not, if the relationship's strong, you'll get an agreement from the tenant. Yeah, that's always the way to go, isn't it? So, Chris, when you're purchasing a property, can you include terms like during when you're purchasing that give you the right to access the property? It's unusual, but yes, you can negotiate anything. You just need agreement. And the time you would do that would be if the property is vacant. And I always have have an approach when I'm negotiating is if you've got a vendor that's difficult, you let the vendor name the price and you name the terms. Now, with a property that might be vacant, you might see the opportunity to go in there and refurb the whole property, change its use. It might be an old warehouse into something that might be some quite trendy offices, but you need three months to do it. And in the process of doing that, can identify and secure a tenant. Now, What you might say to the vendor who's a bit high in the stirrups on price is, yeah, look, I'll agree to your price provided we have a 180-day settlement and you give me access, not possession, access to undertake the following works 30 days after we exchange contracts. Now, what that enables you to do is to go in and you might have to pay on top of your 10% another say 20% deposit, bring up the deposit to 30%, but you're going to pay 30% equity and borrow 70 anyway, so that's not a big deal. So they hold 30% deposit 
And your argument as to why they should do that is, well, I've agreed to your price, but if I default come 180 days, you get back a building that is significantly better than the one you sold, right? Yep. So it's a win-win situation. Now, the reason you would do that is that you might well add to the value of the property 20-25% by what you're doing. In other words, every dollar you spend, you get probably two or three back in value. But if you buy the property and have to settle on it, the valuation for mortgage is done on the value of the property before the works, then you have to provide the money for the upgrade works out of your pocket. If you do it this way, the value of valuing it is not valuing the original property, they're valuing the improved property, not only from the money you've spent on it, but with the new lease with the new tenant at a much higher rent than you would have achieved when the property was vacant. And so it's valued at a higher figure and it will more often than not cover the costs, the extra amount you borrow of what you've had to expend to upgrade it. But you have to prove that you've put the money into it, right? With the value. Well, you've spent all the money. You've restructured the whole of the inside, rewired it, replumbed it, carpeted it, and put a tenant in there. I mean, it's pretty obvious what you've done. Okay. All right. So, what are some of the other incentives we can offer a tenant, an existing tenant? So, we've spoken about a month free to get early access or to get access while they're in there. What are some other incentives we can offer? It all comes back to building the relationship with them. But let's say a tenant has got 12 months to run on their lease. One of the best ways to add value is to get them to exercise their option, whether it's three or five years, 12 months before the lease expires. Now you say, well, why would they do that? Well, this is where having a good property manager comes in because the property manager goes to the tenant under some pretext of touching base and saying, and ask them, how are you travelling? You're liking it there? Oh, yeah, we love it here. Terrific. Say, well, look, you've got 12 months to run on your lease. I was just thinking, if you like it that much, are you going to exercise your option? And I say, well, yeah, sure. We don't have any problem. We, we love it here. Well, say, so have you thought about this? What about if you exercise it now and say to the owner, I'll do that if you'll give me a couple of months rent free? Okay. So the property manager is ostensibly doing it with no authority. He's flying a kite. He's saying to them, look, if you'll do that, I'll go into bat for you and see if I can get you a month, maybe two. And the tenant might come back and say, look, I want three months rent free. So you say, well, that that might be a bit rich, but let's see if it'll fly. So if you have a three-year option or a five-year option, you end up at that point with a four or a six-year lease period. Yeah. Now... At that point, you then have to think about, have I held the property long enough? Should I now sell it, given the current market, not only a brand new lease, but a a brand new lease with still 12 months to run, right? So you've got the 12 months left to run and the new three or five-year option. Now, you don't have to fix the rent now because that'll be done when the 12 months is up. But all you want to do is have them exercise the option to give you greater security. So even if you don't sell the property, you can have it revalued and it's worth considerably more with a four-year lease than a 12-month lease. Yeah, definitely. All right. 
So we haven't spent any money. Yes, we might have given a month or two rent-free, but you're going to pay tax on that anyway, as opposed to the added value, which is not taxable. Yeah, it's a great option. All right, Chris, so you have another free giveaway for the listeners. Do you want to speak about that? Well, when you've got a property manager, whether it's choosing it or or you're trying to evaluate your property manager, it's a bit like I find when you decide you want to change your GP. I mean, there's a lot of hassle and what have you, and you've got to have a very good reason to do it. And most people cannot work out really whether their property manager is doing a good job or not. Now, when I was an agency, I put together a little ebook called 17 Probing Questions to Ask Your Current Managing Agent. Now, I did that to try and attract or get people to change from their property manager to me to look after it. I don't do that in property management anymore, but I could make that available because when you look at the questions, you might say, I know the answer that he doesn't do it or she doesn't do that. There'll be some questions you don't know the answer to and, and you can legitimately ask your property manager to see whether they do it. But if you start getting through and half the things that the questions they don't clearly do for you, well, you've got to seriously think, are you or do you have the right property manager? So I just think that might be useful. Yeah, that's great, Chris. Thanks for that. I really appreciate it. So I heard that you had a few spots available in your mentor program coming available, um, which don't usually come available very, very often. Would you like to tell listeners about that? Yeah, look, I have a handful of people in my mentor group, apart from the inaugural foundation members. I generally only have about max of 20 because we have one-on-one sessions each month for 30 minutes and quarterly webinars and a whole host of training that they get complimentary and most of the members renew from year to year but there are a couple of positions coming up where people want to put their membership on on hold because they've bought enough properties for the time being so look i'll give you a link to put beneath the podcasts if they're still available will enable people to find out more about the mentor group and if they'd like to be part of it excellent sounds good so we'll wrap it up there And if you'd like to ask Chris a question directly, then you can jump onto the Commercial Property Show website and write your question in the forum, and Chris will answer you directly there. My guest today has been Mr. Chris Lang. Thanks, Chris. It's a pleasure. Alright, alright, that brings us to our newest segment to the show, and that segment is called Ripper Resource. In this segment, I'm going to share some resources that I have personally used, read, or listened to that have made a big difference in my life, and I think they deserve to be shared. So this week's Ripper resource is The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Now this book was way before its time now that we're in this kind of climate where the working from home movement is a real thing that's happening in Australia and around the world. It's really, really cool how he sets up systems and sets up other people's expectations, how he is going to only check his email for a certain period during the day and using virtual assistants. He's very, very big 
on using virtual assistants to get things done, to give him his time back. You could be doing different things. You could be spending more time with your family. So it's this week's Ripper Resource. It's the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. That brings us to the end of the last show for 2020. It's been an absolutely crazy year and I've had so much fun creating this content for you guys. And I've got big, big plans for the show in 2021. But I wanna thank everyone who has supported the show, who subscribed, who's liked the show, who's left a review. It means a lot. It really, really helps Don't forget to check out the Commercial Property Show website and become a site member and join the amazing community that we're building. Stay safe, have a fantastic Christmas and a happy new year. And remember, in the words of Grant Cardone, be obsessed or be average. I'm Andrew Bean, signing off. This is has been a Developer Life production.